This week on Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. Well, he's just got a weird-ass body and face, and he knows how to move it. Hello and welcome to Buffy the Gilmore Slayer. I'm Brian Morris. I'm Stacey Kulo, and we're both comedians. And a couple. And I've never seen Buffy the Vampire Slayer, one of Brian's favorite shows. And I've never seen Gilmore Girls, one of Stacey's favorite shows. So we're watching both shows together, all seven seasons, comparing them as we go. And this week we watched Season 7, Episode 3 of both shows, starting with Buffy the Vampire Slayer, same time, same place. As well as Gilmore Girls, Lorelai's first cotillion. I mean, I think, I feel like we say this every year. But it, this is a setting up the season still episode, right? Yeah. I think there was some things said in this episode that are setting up stuff for the whole season. Of both shows? Uh, of both shows. I was talking about Gilmore Girls. Okay. Like what? Well, I'll tell you when we get there. Okay. Well, then we'll just have to get there. I think both of these episodes just introduce us to just the cutest, most fun little characters. Yes. Very polite eaters. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Polite eaters. Yes. Yes. I feel like there's other similar themes, sort of. Maybe not. Well, I mean, there's like waiting to hear from someone you care about and them not not hearing from them so you feel like they don't care about you or there's something wrong, which is Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's no like obvious thing where it's like there's an Easter egg. Although I think there was a candy machine in the background when Willow and Anya are talking, there's like a one of those like machines with like the four different kind of candies where you put like a coin in and twist it and a little handful comes out. Yeah. It's called like Monstar. But I think there's one of those in the background in Gilmore Girls somewhere. I can't remember. I didn't look for it when we rewatched, but I noticed that. Could be an Easter egg. Guys, I got a new pillow this morning. Yeah, hours ago. He didn't even sleep on it the whole night. He got up in the middle of the sleep to go get it. Yep. Unbox it and then sleep on it. He did an unboxing video. <laughs> Just a quick... Unboxing video. It's from Brooklyn Bedding. I have only slept on it for an hour and I enjoyed it. More to come. It was in a pretty small box, right? Was it all folded up? It was. It was like all rolled up. Yep. Hmm. It's like a latex thing. I haven't slept on it yet, but I can tell I don't love it by just touching it. I think we have different pillow preferences. Yeah, probably. Well, we we agree that. on white chocolate and Muppet Babies, but. That's <laughs> the funniest thing in the world. <laughs> We've got some five star reviews. Nice. Thank you so much to Shay Sage Lind. Then I sneezed. That's the name. And from France, thank you so much to Mary Hopes. Thank you. We also had a five-star review a few months ago where a woman mentioned that she was pregnant and listening to our podcast. She reached out to let us know that she had the baby and she sent us a picture and that her baby is very calm when he hears our voices. Oh. That's a lot of pressure. We got to make sure this baby has a good life now. Yeah, I can't yell on the podcast anymore. I got to stop swearing and talking about pasta and stuff. No, I think the baby likes that. Oh, okay. The baby's going to expect that. Okay. When he's like 27 and stressed out at work, he's going to need you to calm him down, Brian. <laughs> With your rages about Zach and Taylor. I just really need someone to shit all over Taylor right now. <laughs> well, congratulations to Mother and, I mean, our Congratulations. Our child. Yeah. Our, yeah, it's, it's a communal child. I think we all have equal share of responsibility for this child. Yes, we all did the same amount of work. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you and I had to record a bunch of podcasts, so it might be more. So Yeah, so many. And if um, you're thinking of having a baby, we can help. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's, mm. mm-hmm. Just tell us about it and we'll take credit. That's how we help with babies. Okay, 
Should we talk about the shows? Let's do it. This week we started with Buffy. Stacy, please tell us all about Same Time, Same Place. Same Time, Same Place is about Willow coming back to Sunnydale, which her and her friends are very nervous about. And things don't go as expected due to Willow's nerves and some demonic activity. Yeah. You don't want to have anxiety when you're on the Hellmouth. It never goes well. Mm -mm. Take a Xanax if you're traveling there. So the Scoobies are waiting at the airport for Willow, but the music is sad, so we know the vibe is weird. Are we to believe that Sunnydale has an international airport? Yeah, right? This little town has an international airport? They mention later that she had a layover in Chicago, but I still think that's not how that works. Like, you'd go through customs at, like, your final destination, right? I think so. I, I guess I don't know. I guess, no, you might go through customs in Chicago. I, I don't know. So, so, yeah, maybe maybe she did all that in Chicago, and this is just a little hop, skip, jump. But Sunnydale having an airport at all, almost, I don't believe. It seems like yeah. a really small town. Well, Xander has made a welcome back sign for Willow using yellow crayon. Oh, remember they had a whole thing about yellow crayons? Yeah, he reminds us. Yeah, Don <laughs> Buffy, give him shit for talking about it so much. He keeps stressing that he saved the world. He's like, remember, I saved the world with words. Yeah. That was cute, but I think it was just exposition as well. Yeah, I agree. But it was yeah. well done. As I predicted, Xander's a lot more chill with Willow coming back than Don and Buffy are. They're not really sure what they're going to say to her. They're worried this is going to be awkward, probably because she was, you know, threatening to kill Don. It's always something that kind of puts a strain on friendships when one party threatens to kill another. Yeah, sometimes. Xander's like, I'm sure it's fine. Giles wouldn't send her back unless she'd completed her recovery. Buffy's like, ooh. She actually didn't super finish, but Giles assured Buffy that Willow was doing really well and that it was more important for her to be in Sunnydale than to finish her training or whatever. While they're talking, Xander notices that everyone's gotten off the plane, but there's no sign of Willow. Now, before we even saw the Scoobies, we saw a parade of people getting off the plane. A man hugs his family, a big sister pushes a little brother, and the dad scolds them. So they gave us some specific touchstones, and then they replay that scene, sort of Groundhog Day style. But this time, Willow is getting off the plane, and there aren't any Scoobies waiting for her. And Willow's very sad. I just want to point out that this aired in October of 2002, so no one should be waiting for anyone at any airport gates in America. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's just like, wait, what? How are you this close? Did these people all buy plane tickets and go through security? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they just wanted to, like, not deal with that. Like, So I looked it up. TSA came out in November of 2001. So this would have been, like, several months at this point. So I, I think it was the reality. Unless, like, not every airport got it right away. I don't know. Maybe it rolled out over time. Maybe Joss was just like, this won't stick. We'll just pretend that's not a thing. No, they probably just had one room, and they're like, this is going to be the whole airport, guys. Yeah. <laughs> Or, or does this confirm that normal again is true and everyone is living in Buffy's fantasy where the TSA never was formed? Because <laughs> Buffy went into her coma before 9-11. Yeah. So. <laughs> this is just breadcrumbs of truth for us. It's pretty funny. I like that theory. I mean, I hate that theory, yeah, but it's funny. Yeah, I don't think you would like that. <laughs> At the still very unfinished high school, in the construction pit, there's a lone teen doing some late night graffiti. But someone is watching him. Certainly not his parents. And then a sort of creepy demon voice whispers, All alone. And then we see a hand with fabulous nails sort of move their <laughs> hand like they're controlling a little puppet, tapping their nails together, which might be my favorite part of the episode. I love the little nail click. You just love this villain. I do. So the demon's sort of lurking around, saying creepy shit, and eventually pops out and pounces on the boy. 
We don't get much of a visual yet, but it seems like this demon's got sort of a goblin-y vibe, I would say. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So at the semi-res, Willow knocks on the door. No one answers. So she just walks through the unlocked back door. Why aren't we locking our doors, Buffy? Yeah. Could you imagine if Luke lived here? He would be (laughs) so mad. We don't, like, see Willow grab a key out from under a yard gnome or something. She just, like, knocks once and opens it. So she goes wandering through the house looking for anybody. We happen to see the time on the microwave is 1041. She goes upstairs and sees that Joyce's room, briefly Willow's room, is now Buffy's room. Okay, there's names on the doors. She can tell this because A, Buffy's stuff is in there, but B, the door is labeled with a Buffy sign. It's almost like passive aggressive. Like, this is my room now. I don't (laughs) know. Were they always labeled? Did her room always have this and she moved it? Like, was she worried that Willow would teleport back and try to take her room? And who, this would who stop are the her? labels for? Are they for, like, monsters? Like, I'm going to kill the Slayer, and which room is that? This one, okay. <laughs> I don't think the other ones have labels. It was just like, I knew that this was Buffy's room in the last episode, I think. I'm not sure. They showed her in her bed briefly in the previous episode, but you didn't really get a huge shot of the room. But I was like, is that Joyce's room? But it, she's, like, moved her bed. We've just, like, seen the room enough. You can tell it was different from the brief glimpses yeah. we got, but... Maybe it was just to, like, let us know that Buffy switched rooms. Maybe. Willow has some sound flashbacks about what happened with Tara in this room. She died. And then she notices a little friend Some photo. sound flashbacks? Yeah. She, we don't see it, but she, like, Like hears. audio? Okay, yeah. Just, just been, like, some really consistent, logical flashbacks. And then she notices there's a little friend photo collage that does not appear to include her. She picks up an address book that has family phone numbers in it, Buffy's work, Xander's office, Dawn's cell. I'm not sure if this is supposed to be dramatic, that she's not part of the family, or because this is the way she found out that the show has cell phones now. (laughs) We're doing cell phones this season? (laughs) She hears a door slam, but when she goes downstairs, there's still no one there. So she curls up on the couch. The couch looks very comfy, by the way. This is a good couch. Yeah, super comfortable. Like, sometimes you, you could just lie there and die. Like Joyce did. Brian. I'm sorry. It's funny to me. It's funny to me too. But don't tell them. Yeah, people get very upset if you make any jokes about Joyce. Should we not do that then? We can because Joyce is not going to come back this season. Mm, I don't believe you. She's come back every season. Except season four. Where was she? Probably Art Galley. They had a lot of art in season four. (laughs) Then we see Buffy, Dawn, and Xander come home as the microwave clock again says 1041. So we know the following events are happening at the same time that Willow was walking through the house. They've checked with Giles. He says he absolutely put her on a plane from London. He personally walked her to the gate, I guess, because you can do that in this reality. (laughs) He gave her his goodbye box cutters and said, (laughs) have a good flight. He fist bumped her and did a little explosion. Then he left the plane. Slapped the pilot and he left. (laughs) I did everything. I know she's on her way. (laughs) This is where they mentioned that she had a layover in Chicago. And they suspect she maybe flew somewhere else from there or got off the plane even after Giles left. So they suspect the worst. Again, Xander's like, hey, let's maybe give her the benefit of the doubt. But they too hear house creaks. So they go looking for her, but of course don't find her. Buffy sits on the couch right where Willow should be, but whatever's going on with time and space only applies to house sounds, not physical touches or voices. They talk to Giles. We don't see this, but Buffy says, 
And I guess he blames himself for sending her back before she was ready. The gang blames themselves for assuming Willow wasn't ready to face them, so she bailed. Buffy, by the way, is sporting the very specific to this time period dress over jeans look, which Rory was rocking last episode, actually. So I guess that trend spanned at least four years. Yeah. If you look at the clocks in Gilmore Girls, it's the same time. We fade out the Scoobies and we fade up the Willow fast asleep on the same couch where they were sitting. She looks super happy, actually. That couch is comfy. <laughs> She's got like a little pleasant look on her face. She wakes up the next morning looking pretty wonderful, considering she just got off an international flight and then slept on a couch. Yeah, right? It's glamour spell. Gotta be. <laughs> glamour. Why is that funny? Because she looks glamorous. You know that glamour spell is a type of spell. I do, from okay, yeah. the games you make me play. Oh, the games, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> That's a callback. She makes a call to, I don't know, Giles' secretary? Someone's answering his phone for him. What is his life now? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, he's got, she, like, horses and shit. He's running an inn. Does she call England. the coven? Like, wh- where is he living that someone answers his phone? Giles is kind of a big deal now. <laughs> <laughs> he's in council meetings all day and can't be reached, according to his people. So she's left on her own to figure this shit out still. So she walks down to the closed magic box where she bumps into Anya, who is not happy to see her. Anya's like, what are you doing here? I thought you were with Giles, studying how not to kill people. I don't get, I'm sorry guys, and I'm going to try to be better about this, but it's going to come up again. But like, I just don't get where Anya has this like, I'm better than you, you're a killer. Like, that's, you do that too. I guess she doesn't kill people, but she severely ruins their lives. She has killed people before. Like, as a demon, she killed lots of people. And what she did in The Wish caused Cordelia to die. Right, and she's, uh, she's another things like turn people inside out, that kind of stuff that would kill them. Even if she's like just mild demon right now, it's like, whatever. I, I, I struggle with the writing on that a little bit. But anyway. Willow assures her that even though she's not completely rehabbed, I don't know, she's doing a lot better and Ani doesn't need to worry about it. Ani's like, sure, sure. Tell that to my store that you ruined. Willow's like, it's cool. I understand that you're mad. You can say whatever you want to me. And she just kind of sits down on the curb. Anya sighs and sits down next to her. And then Willow tries to ask her about the others, and Anya starts to tell them about the events of last week's episode. And Willow's like, "Uh uh-huh, that sounds great. So where do you think the others are, though? (laughs) She tells them that they're all at the high school. Buffy and Xander are working there. Spike's insane in the basement. (laughs) She says it, like, so matter-of-factly. Yeah. Willow's like, wait, Spike's what in the (laughs) whatment? And Anya's like, insane? Base. (laughs) So Willow goes to the school construction site to look for Xander, but she finds a flayed body instead. Which is a little triggering when that's the thing that you are famous for doing. She's so famous. Let's talk about this dead body for a second. So it's supposed to be like a skinned body, Uh but like it's clearly a guy with like inside like makeup on top of his skin. Like it's way too thick to be someone. Because it was a child. It was like a young Oh yeah, you're right. It was a pretty young teen. That was like spray painting that got like stripped of his skin. And now we have like a thick boy <laughs> like on the ground who's thick like, man. oh, his, yeah, like a thick man. I shouldn't say boy. You got a thick man. It's like, this is not the same person. And that's definitely like a layer of makeup on top of your skin. Well, it's hard to find a skin body these days. Yeah, it really Those is. Those days. These days, no. Post 9 11, it was really difficult. <laughs> Xander and Buffy are simultaneously looking at this body. But again, they don't see Willow. Willow's like, shit. People are going to think this is me. So she goes climbing up this ladder out of the construction pit. Xander hears the ladder sounds, but again, doesn't see Willow. But lets Buffy know that he now kind of suspects that Willow is back and did do this. Guess you got to put them yellow crayons away. Yeah. 
Willow goes to find Spike in the basement. She seems surprised he's insane, but she was warned. I think it's his hair. She's just not ready for that. <laughs> but she tells him her whole deal anyway. She can't find her friends. She found a body that was skinned. He's like, is there blood? <laughs> that was kind of funny. Which I think was him being curious if there was blood because he likes blood, but also lets us know there was no blood because that's important later. Mm-hmm. But she asked him what could have done this, meaning the skinning. He said, well, you did it once. I heard about it. Who told him? I'm asking, like, is this significant? Like, did one of the voices in his head tell him? Or did he just, like, hear Buffy and then mention it? Well, he's also friends with, like, demons and stuff. Clem might have talked about it. Right. Because he was out of town when that happened. But I guess you're right. He does just, like, hear stuff in general. So I'm, I'm just wondering if that's significant or if this is just, like, a quick justification for why Spike knows. Well, I think that during the trials, he did have a TV on in the background. Just the Willoughby, the news? <laughs> the African news? Yeah, but they, they covered Sunnydale. Mm-hmm. But then Spike gets distracted. I'm not really sure how to talk about this scene. But basically, Buffy and Xander enter at some point, and Spike is now talking to them as well. But neither of them are aware that the other party is there. And we see it from Willow's point of view first. So he seems, some of his answers seem kind of like, oh, he's just crazy Spike. But then we see it from the other perspective, and it makes sense. Yeah. Like, when they walk in, he's already talking to Willow, who they don't see. So they're like, crazy old Spike, just talking to no one again. Like, it's complicated to talk about, but it's very well done. Like... Both Willow and Buffy aren't really sure when he's talking nonsense and when he's talking to them. Some of the stuff that's directed to one of them, the other suspects is about them and it's not, but some dialogue kind of works for either. He says, everyone's talking to me, but no one's talking to each other. So someone isn't here and essentially suggests that it's the witch who caused this. Again, Spike kind of speaks in poems and riddles now, so all this could be nonsense. But when he suggests that Willow may have done this, Buffy's like, wait a minute. And then he goes on specifically to say that Red's a bad girl. We know he calls her Red. He tells Willow the Slayer and her boy think that she took the skin, which Xander takes offense to. Doesn't love being called Buffy's boy. He would have loved that a couple seasons ago. I know. (laughs) But Spike's all out of information. He's got to go because there are things here without authorization. He's got to go check their slips. You know, normal basement stuff. Normal basement stuff. I like the idea that there's like a third person there asking for (laughs) slips that we don't see. (laughs) He says something like this later, like that Xander's got to keep his ticket. He might need that later. It's felt like nonsense. Yeah, that's hilarious. In the next episode, we see what really was happening. A ghost of a conductor. (laughs) I also like in my head, I'm like, God, you know, this version of Spike really would be perfect for Drusilla. Like they (laughs) could just talk about nothing to each other. He'd say some bullshit about slips and tickets and she'd be like, exactly what I've been saying. (laughs) The moon needs its tickets. And he'd be like, yep. You must be this tall to ride the ride. That's who I'm shipping this season. <laughs> crazy Spike and Crazy Drusilla. Hmm. I mean, that doesn't happen. Who knows? There's a couple other interesting things about this scene. Spike mentions that Buffy is glowing, and he's looking for another word that means glowing, and it's got a rhyme. Did you catch this? Yeah, he's referencing... The effulgent fiasco. Yeah. Interesting. She's just, like, in the recesses of his brain, thinking about that. Yeah, well, I mean, he's human again, so, like, I don't know. That was probably some of the last things he thought about when he was human. So I'm like, all of that, especially that night in particular, is probably swimming around in his head. Yeah. He forgot the word, though. Yeah. Also, Xander mentions that they can't use blueprints to find their way around the basement because it seems like the walls are moving. It was just kind of a throwaway line, but I'm sure it won't be important later. Yeah, I mean, I think the uh, the idea is, because they had trouble in the first episode. Remember, she they kept getting lost, and it was, like, kind of confusing down there? Yeah. I thought maybe it was just because it was 
a maze. But yeah, now it seems like something actually is legit weird down it's, there. I mean, I think we find out later in this episode, like, something's going on at the Hellmouth under the school. So Willow just kind of barges into Anya's apartment. Anya's like, come in, enjoy my personal space. Anya's got a bunch of great lines in this episode, right? Like, as much as I just shit on the, her character being, like, angry, even though she's murdered and tortured people, she's got some super funny lines in this episode. Yeah. Willow tells her she found a dead-skinned body near the high school. Anya's like, yeah, that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> and at the same time, they both say, was it you? No! <laughs> And he's like, yeah, Buffy's definitely going to think you did it. So Willow's on a mission to convince them that she didn't. Also to try to figure out how to get them to see her, I guess. And she asks if Anya will help her. Anya's like, oh, is it difficult or time consuming? <laughs> what a great mantra. That's, I love that. I feel like that's how all of my responses to my friends would be. Okay. Is it hard? Will it take me time? So they sit on the floor and do a little map spell where a little light will appear anywhere there's a demon in Sunnydale. They've done the spell before, but uh, Willow has, with Tara. Was it lights? They did yeah. something like this, yeah. Yeah, and Tara sabotaged it on purpose because she thought she was a demon. Mm-hmm. Why don't they do this all the time? Yeah, you'd think they would just have an app for this now. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't work great. It burns the map and the carpet. Yes. It seems there's a lot of lights in one particular area. And it's cute. Anya, like, waves her own little light. (laughs) Yes. Then they notice that there's a huge clump of lights right under the high school that they'll just deal with later, I guess. But the clump gets brighter and brighter till it starts on fire, burning the map and Anya's carpet below, which she was worried about when they started all this. She was also worried this was going to get sexy. Willow's like, no, don't worry about it. I feel like Anya might have been all right with it. Yeah. But there is one spot in particular on the map that Willow takes a huge guess that might be the demon they're looking for. Spoilers, it is. It always is. So Willow wants Anya to teleport there, but Anya's mad at her about the carpet, and also she's gotten her personal teleportation privileges revoked for withdrawing the giant worm spell last week, so she can only teleport for business now. She also confides that she actually doesn't super love hurting people with vengeance spells anymore, and Willow kind of relates this feeling to her thing and how she hurt people, and Anya tells her she's sorry and wishes it was better for her. Willow's like, yeah, you too. I don't know, like, it's nice. It is nice. And Ani's like, it did get a little sexy, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, I gotta go. What's going on here? Is this a thing? I don't know. Before she leaves, though, Anya asks Willow if there's another spell she can use to find Buffy and Xander. And Willow says she already tried that, but the spell must have gone wrong because it says they don't exist. Ooh. Weird. So Willow leaves. Anya just kind of shrugs like, oh, okay, that's a fine possibility. Meanwhile... Elder Millennial Dawn is just blowing the minds of Gen X Cusper Buffy and Xander with her internet skills. In mere minutes, she's Googled every single demon that skins or flays their victims and cross-referenced this with demons who leave the viscera intact and lap up any blood while Buffy and Xander are still poring over their big dumb books. It's funny because this is the same website that they use in Angel. How can they possibly keep up with this technology that Dawn's discovered? Buffy takes Xander aside. She's like, ugh, why are we doing this? Dawn's just so much faster than us. Are we at an age that it'll be impossible to keep up with today's rapidly changing technology? How is she doing this? She just texted me TTYL. What does that mean? (laughs) It's funny to think that Dawn is like my age. Like if I was watching this live. Yeah. Which she actually says to Xander is, why are they even bothering? This is probably Willow. And they're just doing this work to try to rule out that possibility, even though it's likely her. But then Dawn thinks she's found the correct demon, a parasite called Gnarl, 
who uses his absolutely sickening fingernails to paralyze his victims and then cut off and eat strips of their skin over the course of many hours. This is super unimportant, and I sorry, it just bothered me. I kept being like, why do they? Why call it a parasite? Because parasites don't kill their hosts. They're not good for their hosts, but they don't kill them. Yeah, they like double down on it. Yeah, it just feels like a weird thing to be like, no, it's a parasite. Be like, okay, it's not though. So they decide to track this thing by following the blood trail it leaves, even though they just said it laps up all the blood. They're saying there's like a little blood. So Buffy decides to use Spike like a little dog to follow the trail and lead it to Gnarl. It's like kind of messed up. <laughs> yeah, you pointed this out. I never thought about this, but I think you're right. Like Spike's kind of, I don't know, not at full capacity right now. He's mentally unstable at the least. <laughs> it's, it's like weird to be like, okay, come on, come on. Here's this thing you like. Do some work for us. We're going to use you to get to this thing. It's not even like he gets the blood. I, mean, I guess he could have some. If I were Spike, I would constantly be like, listen, I'll do this for you, but I want you guys to give me a little bit of your blood. I miss human blood. (laughs) But he does it. He leads them to a cave. I think he thinks that helping people will make him feel better with all this new guilt he's experiencing. Yeah. Then he kind of just pieces out once they found the place. Doesn't stick around to help them further. Okay. Willow has found the cave as well. I wonder if Spike saw Willow. Because we see them standing outside the cave not exactly at the same time, but it couldn't have been that far apart. He just didn't say anything. Yeah. So Willow crawls in, shortly followed by the Scoobs. Gnarl's running around in the shadows, whispering creepy shit, and then he pops out and scratches Dawn in the tummy. She starts feeling real paralyzed, so they're like, we gotta go, seal this guy in here, we'll get Dawn home and come back. Little do they know that they're sealing Willow in with him, and I was like, cool, cool, little snack for me. Willow tries to do a spell to make him powerless, but Gnarl's like, actually, spells don't work on Gnarl. That is how he talks, by the way. He speaks in the third person. Great. Sing-songy, though, like fairy tale goblin. Very cheery demon. Kind of like a more normal sounding golem. Yeah. Gnarl lets her know that her friends left her here and that they wanted him to have her. Willow's like, What's that now? And then he scratches her in the tummy. He tells her that her friends left her for him as a little gifty and he can't wait to unwrap it. And then we finally get to fully see this guy. I mean, he is like a goblin, very skeletal goblin. It's just a dude in a tight suit with, like, big nose and ears. He's, like, clearly wearing a suit. You can, like, see where it bunches. For sure. It looks kind of bad, but I enjoy him. Well, okay, so this actor, Camden Toy, is, uh, (laughs) you've seen him before. Can you guess where in Buffy you've seen him before? We watched this with our Patreon patrons for one of our watch parties. And, yeah, someone pointed out that he's one of the Hush Demons. And we're not done with him because he will be coming back to portray other things in the show. In Angel, maybe, you said? No, in this show. Oh. Well, he's fun. Yes, he also is in Angel portraying demons, but he will be back in Buffy as a totally different demon. Huh. They like this guy. Well, I feel like all his demons are memorable. He's just got a weird-ass body and face, and he knows how to move it. Dude knows how to be creepy. That's, like, weird to put on a resume. Like, I'm very thin, and I know how to be a total creep. My smile is scary. (laughs) Or a dating profile. (laughs) I think Doug Jones is like the main hush demon, like the Mm -hmm. big tall one. But he's also made out of career out of being a weird lanky motherfucker. (laughs) But I do feel like I remember this guy's general face from Hush as well. Camden Toy is the second gentleman. Like Kamala Harris's husband. (laughs) Okay. I was like, wait, what? Oh, got it. (laughs) But uh, he starts slurping up Willow's blood, ripping off her flesh little by little. It's pretty gory, but I like it. Like they they show some stuff. Like he's peeling little chunks of skin off her tummy and like slopping it up. 
He also just keeps reminding her that she's alone and her friends left her and no one wants to help her, which is like her biggest fear, of course. But like, she deserves this a little bit. She did skin a guy. She can lose a few strips. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, she was under the influence of drugs. So, I mean, it's not like she deserves this necessarily. I don't know. I guess it's complicated. Yeah. I mean, I don't want bad things to happen to Willow. No. But like, she almost feel like she deserves to be punished. She keeps right. sort of talking to Giles about that. I don't feel terrible that this is happening to her. We know she, this guy's not going to fully kill her. Right. So I thought it was good gore, and I, I liked the choice that it was her. Instead of, like, Dawn. Dawn's always getting hurt and shit. I mean, kind of Dawn does get hurt. Which, let's talk about that. Xander and Buffy are dragging her home. Like, they're doing that thing where they've kind of got her propped up, like, using their shoulders to sort of help her walk. Mm-hmm. Shouldn't Buffy just be able to throw her over her shoulder? No problem. We've yeah. seen her lift steel beams. Yeah, and Dawn before. Not at the same time. She <laughs> she wasn't like at a construction site and Dawn's legs hurt. <laughs> Was Xander just like, I'm not your boy. I can do work too. <laughs> I mean, this is clearly because the actors. Yeah, unless we had a little Dawn dummy, they couldn't just do this. But I was like, wait a minute. Because Buffy looks like she's struggling too. <laughs> yeah. Maybe she's struggling because... It's awkward to carry it this way. So I'm like, just carry her over your shoulder, Buffy. I can't. Dawn's taller than me now. <laughs> Buffy's like, maybe the computer's got a way to stop the paralysis. Oh, honey, that's not how computers work. <laughs> she means they could read about it. But the way she said it was like, oh, yes, the computer. Yeah, Who knows? God. Buffy's sharing more and more in common with uh, Richard and Emily when it comes to her relationship with computers. <laughs> Email. This is actually all pretty funny because Dawn can't move her mouth or her body. So she's just kind of like talking like a bad ventriloquist. Michelle plays this pretty well. She's just got this like surprise look on her face and she's just like totally stiff. I don't know. It was probably fun for her to do. Yeah. They get her home and just throw her on the couch like a rag doll. The computer tells Buffy that the paralysis is permanent until the creature dies. The computer tells Buffy? Yes. (laughs) Warning. (laughs) Paralysis permanent until creature is deceased. So they got to go back and kill it, but they're worried that Dawn will vomit. Not sure why. She doesn't seem to have a vomit condition. No, but I mean, that's why people die from like drugs and stuff. If they vomit and they are like too, they're not awake enough to move and then they choke on their own vomit and die. Yeah, but so. just prop her up. I mean, I guess she can't open her mouth. Whatever. You got to prop her specifically. But, and this couch is so comfortable. <laughs> I know. So they call Anya to come watch to see if Dawn vomits. Not sure why Xander couldn't just stay back. Buffy doesn't need him to fight this thing. Again, I don't know what their relationship with Anya is right now. She's a demon. Like, they're friends still? It's confusing. Like, Xander does not help fight the demon. He just stands there and watches. You can see him in the back standing and watching. You never want to leave your woman when you're her boy. You know what (laughs) I mean? (laughs) But Anya comes. She realizes that Dawn has a posable type of paralysis. This is all funny, too. Yeah, she's just, like, moving her around and stuff. She also mentions that she saw Will earlier and that Willow was looking for them and that she was headed to a cave to do so. And since Anya knows about this gnarled creature, Buffy hands her an axe and says she's coming with them, leaving paralyzed Dawn with a remote in her hand. That was kind of funny. We like just mean. She can't use the remote. Turn right. on the TV for her. And it's Buffy that does it. It's not like Anya. And now no one's making sure she doesn't vomit. Do you think a little bit of Buffy was like, maybe this is fine. Maybe this is fine for Dawn. Like to die <laughs> or like just to be just a little to, posable figurine? Just to be frozen and can't talk as much. Yeah. Back at the cave, Willow's convinced her friends will come back for her. And Laurel's like, maybe, but I'll have fully eaten you by then. Because he's like prance dancing on top of her, like 
slowly ripping off flesh. I love this demon. He's just so creepy. He's so fun. And it's just like a creepy way to die, too. It's like a slow, painful death. Yeah. But he says he'll have her fully eaten by the time Willow's friends come. The internet says it takes you hours, Narl. How long do you think it's going to take them to get back here? Well, Narl, like Buffy, is not big on the internet. He doesn't know. <laughs> You're not a fast eater. But the friends do get back. Xander and Buffy still can't see Willow, but Anya can. And she lets them know where she is and that she's hurt. Buffy suspects whatever's causing them to not see Willow is a whole separate issue than the skin eater. And she's right as usual. So Buffy fights Narl. Anya tells her to get him in the eyes, and then Anya kneels down by Willow, letting her know that Buffy and Xander did come to help her, even though she can't see them. Willow's very happy to hear she's not alone. Narl can apparently leap into the air like a cat, but after he does this, Buffy stabs him in the foot, and while he's reeling from that, she just thumbs him in the eyes, like a memorable Game of Thrones scene. Yeah. Xander's like, ew, thumbs? I can't believe you did that. Yeah, that's... Xander does not like thumbs in the eye. It's so gross. Didn't we thumb eye a demon before? The the one that was at the hospital? Oh, and uh, killed by death? Yeah. That sounds right. I just don't think Xander saw because he literally could not see the demon at that point. Mm. Anya tells Willow that Buffy killed the demon. It was gross. <laughs> <laughs> and since it's dead, Willow can start moving again. Quick cut to Poe's Dawn falling off the couch. Does that make sense? Wouldn't she, like, be able to catch herself if she could move? I mean, not if she's, like, not expecting it, you know? If she's yeah. sort of just, like, zoned out and then, like, oh, shit, I can move. Xander Buffy still can't see Willow. Anya's like, stand back, getting your feet in her. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes to get help for Willow's injuries. Buffy tells Willow they're there. They're glad she's back. But Willow can't hear them, right? I mean, maybe she starts to rematerialize in their vision. She's very happy to see them. She tells him not to go away. Maybe she could start to hear them since it was about to wear off. I don't know. It's not clear to me if like she was making the spell end or if like them saying those things, like maybe her subconscious could hear it. And it's yeah. like, oh, all these worries that we had are unfounded. So there was no reason for the spell because she cast the spell subconsciously. So like yeah. maybe that broke it. It's never super clear how this works exactly. But they assure her they're not going to leave and she's going to be okay. It's all very sweet. The next day at the Summy Res, it appears Willow has moved into Buffy's old room. Hasn't gotten a label for her door yet, and they're forcing her to sleep on a tiny twin bed. I wonder if Dawn got a bed upgrade, and this is, like, Dawn's old bed? Dawn just sleeps on the couch now. <laughs> Somebody should. <laughs> it's comfy. They would have had to have got rid of that couch. Why? Your mom died on it. It just would be weird. It's just a really nice couch, you know, just because people you love die on it. It's just, it's too comfy. I feel like it'd be traumatizing. Yeah. Willow is meditating. She says she's drawing power from the earth to grow new tummy skin. And Buffy and Willow have a nice little chat where they say they missed each other. And this is where we find out that Willow thinks she must have accidentally done a spell that caused this inability to see each other since she was so worried about their reunion. Yeah. Then Buffy confesses that she thought Willow maybe was the flare. The slayer and the flare. Is that a spinoff? No, but it is probably a gnarl song, B-side. <laughs> Willow's like, yeah, I get it. I wasn't positive that it wasn't me myself. I also get that you don't completely trust that I won't go all evil again because I don't know that I won't either. And then she goes back to meditating, even though she just said it was making her tired. She says it hurts too much not to try to heal her skin. It just takes her so much strength. It's like hard to keep up. So Buffy holds her hands and offers her strength to help heal. That's nice. Yeah. I don't know how that works exactly, but it seems like everything's connected and you can do whatever you want now. They also mention Clem here. 
they're talking about meditating to regrow skin and Buffy makes a joke about how he needs to stop that if that's the case or something like that. We were talking about how like Clem is like the perfect candidate for Gnarl. Like I bet if Gnarl saw Clem, he'd just be like, oh my, drooling. Like, oh my God, Clem, come here. And it might even work out for Clem. Clem could just be like, yeah, can you just take like a little off the top? Just a little off the top. <laughs> like, can you just kind of even this out? That'd be great. He just goes and sees Gnarl every week for like a top off. So um, that's the episode. Was it a good one? Yeah, I think so. I think it was really funny, and it was a little heartstring pulley because of Willow like being afraid to see her friends again. It's good to have a reunion. I really like that last scene with Buffy and Willow, and Anya is just hilarious throughout. And we had a fun villain, and the fight scene between Buffy and this villain was different than other demon fight scenes, which you know sometimes can tend to be generic when it's a monster of the week. But because of his talents being the way they were, like Buffy had to fight him a little differently. It was like really couldn't had to avoid the talons altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he like almost got her. Yeah, this episode is unique enough that it stands out to me, and so yeah, I liked it. Yeah, it's quite a unique villain. They've had sort of like fairy tale goofy things before, but not quite mm-hmm. like this, where they're also like super gross. He looks, like you said, a little silly because it's clearly an outfit, but we've seen worse. Uh, mm. We've seen way worse. So I liked it. Did you like it? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I did like it. I thought it was good. Maybe it's the best overall episode so far. Of the whole show. Wow. that's No, no, no. no. Of the season. Because mm-hmm. the previous two Monsters of the Week were very silly. Yeah. I liked last week how the Monster of the Week sort of it was sort tied of a misdirect. In. Oh, sure. Yeah, tied in, but we thought it was like just the Hellmouth or whatever that it was causing it, but it was just a random monster. But this was like a separate, independent of the Hellmouth sort of. I mean, I think it's all connected anyway, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And this was probably the best story as well, too, because yeah. it was just like about the core friend group and Dawn coming together again. And the scene with Spike was really cool mm-hmm. in the basement, not the one where he was a dog. Yeah, and Anya was super funny. So yeah, uh, Good good job, Buffy. I like this one. It doesn't seem like Willow's out of the clear, though. I, I feel like we still need to be concerned about her going evil a little bit. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Well, before we move on to Gilmore Girls, we first have to do a special segment. A special segment we like to call... Meanwhile, Meanwhile on Charmed. Charmed is another popular WB show airing around the same time that neither of us has ever seen. But we're discussing it anyway. Based only on its IMDb summaries, Stacey, what happened on Charmed? Meanwhile, on Charmed Season 7, Episode 3, Cheaper by the Coven, when summoned for Chris's wickening, Grams puts a spell on her grandchildren to stop their sibling rivalry and inadvertently reverts the sisters back to bickering teenagers. So, of course, we know that Grams is the old woman who lives across the street. She was once made Keeper of the Fairy Tales. Uh, yeah, of course I remember those very specific details that we did not improvise. We said that she was played by the woman in Where the Wild Things Are. Mm-hmm. But our Patreon watch party people seem to think that she's played by the woman that's in this episode of Gilmore Girls, Charlotte's grandmother. I think they must be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I do, do they really know? Are they reading the IMDb summaries really carefully without looking at the actual actors? Because, we, we, I mean, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I think it's clearer from the summaries who the actress is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you remember what Awakening is? Have we come across Awakening before? <laughs> yes, Wyatt had Awakening. It was a whole right, thing. Right, right. Um, it's like a baptism for witches, but yes. they use spell goo instead spell of water. Mm-hmm. And then it makes you officially a warlock in the eyes of God. Yeah. Okay, so Chris, remember baby Chris? Baby Chris. He's having Awakening. Is adult Chris also still there? Is this like That's a weird Dragon Ball Z trunk situation? I don't know that we've nailed down, but I like to think yes. 
So this is like Dragon Ball Z. Like if he was coming when she was pregnant with him, unless she somehow like got impregnated and had a baby right away. Okay. I, so. I think they both exist. Though I don't know that we've seen Chris yet this season. Adult Chris. It doesn't really seem like this episode tackles all of that. I feel like, like right in Buffy, there's like once a season we do a spell that went awry, right? Mm-hmm. But in like Charmed, that's like literally the synopsis of every episode. Like we try to do a spell and it went awry. We try yeah. to do a spell and it went awry. They're not good witches. They've never done a spell and it's like, and it worked out great. Everyone loved that party. This spell totally backfired. She was trying to yeah. get them to not bicker and she caused them to bicker worse. Like, yeah. Grams, stop trying to do spells. Yeah, maybe you need another wickening because you're not great. We're avoiding talking about the episode. <laughs> okay, so they're bickering and it's very funny because they're just texting the whole time. <laughs> Hilarious. Because they don't know how to text. Texting no. is new. Yeah, it's like Buffy. It's very confusing to them, but they're trying it anyway, and they're complaining and chewing bubblegum loudly. This is before they're turned into teenagers? Because <laughs> when they were teenagers, they wouldn't have been texting. And then Graham was like, oh my god, it's like you guys are modern day teenagers. I gotta change this. And then they just act she like She shouldn't have said that out loud, because yeah. that's what made the spell go awry. So then they're just like not modern day teenagers, just the appropriate teenagers for their time period. So they're like passing notes, written notes. Phoebe and Paige are fighting over who gets to be the Wiccan mother, Mm -hmm. the godmother. Right. That's what this is all about. So yeah, now they're bickering via notes folded in cool little ways. Was that something they did in the 90s? That's what I did in high school. Did you do that? I had like eight different ways to fold notes and they were all awesome. And even if they can do magic, they're still like really impressed by snap bracelets. Yep. And uh, eventually Graham's like, that's enough of this shit, and changes it back, and it's done. They bleep it. She said shit. Yeah. And uh, the weakening goes great. Yeah, and um, Piper picks Phoebe, because I don't even think that they've known Paige all that long. Yeah. Did they even know Paige when she was a teenager? It seemed like she, like, showed up, and they didn't know she was She, like, showed up out of the blue. Were they even bickering back then? I don't know. This was a dumb episode. Let's just be done. But God smiles down on Chris and says, you are my (laughs) child. (laughs) And they're all like, okay, cool, wow. Well. This has been Meanwhile Uncharted. Then we watched Gilmore Girls. Brian, tell us about Lorelai's first cotillion. This episode is all about Lorelai's first cotillion. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And the fallout. I feel like that's my generic opening for everything. (laughs) There's no fallout of the cotillion. Oh, yes, there is. Lorelai has a good time. (laughs) Okay, so the opening in this episode is That's all your summer? Of- okay, that's what we're going with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm going with. This episode is about Lorelai struggling with her own judgment, whether or not everything she's done is influenced by whether or not her mother likes it or doesn't like it. If rebellion is her deciding factor for, like, whether she likes literally anything in her life, which I think is going to be very important. Okay. So the beginning of this episode is all about brand new character, awesome character, little Charlotte. Lorelai has not explicitly told her parents that she's broken up with Luke. They haven't been to Friday night dinner in three weeks. And Rory's like, you got to tell grandma and grandpa about this, even though it's going to hurt. Just do it quickly. Get it over with. Lorelai's like, "Ugh, I don't want to do this. They're going to gloat. They're going to revel in this. I would have loved to have heard why their Europe trip only lasted three weeks. They said in season six they were going to be gone two months. Yeah, they seem to just not address that. I think the writers forgot. I mean, that's classic Gilmore. They just I mean, don't really remember what happened. And they two just months don't seems it. like a long time to be out of the country. Totally. She had to come back early for this cotillion training. Mm-hmm. 
Well, they're at the door, they're about to enter, and then the cutest little girl, Charlotte, answers the door and takes their coats. It's super funny, she's super cute, and Rory and Lorelai are walking in, and they're just like, what the fuck is happening right now? (laughs) The maid is real young. (laughs) Yeah, this maid's a child? What? She takes their coats, which are like bigger than her. (laughs) Super funny. They come in, they're very confused. But it turns out this little girl, Charlotte Courtright, is a friend of Emily's granddaughter, and Emily is teaching her table manners tonight. She's preparing for a cotillion, more on that later, and she missed a class. So she's making it up tonight at Friday night dinner, and Emily's sort of just like critiquing her and giving her advice on like how to have perfect table manners. But the girl is so funny, like especially when she shocks Lorelai and Rory by saying like, can I offer anyone a cocktail? Would you like that straight up around the rocks? Like she knows how to make martinis to order. Super funny. She makes a full ass tray of drinks in like 30 seconds. I know. She like walks off screen and comes back with, I imagine they're just all wrong. They're just. I didn't hear a martini shaking, (laughs) ma'am. Yeah, yeah. But what's hilarious about that is that Emily like is so sweet and then just like snaps at her for not using enough ice because <laughs> her ice melted and Charlotte's like I can get you some more and she's like it's too late now <laughs> Emily does that several times in this episode she's like saccharine sweet and nice and then just like snaps at the smallest mistake as I alluded to Emily is teaching her manners because the DAR has asked Emily to help with this upcoming cotillion which is like a formal ball where like fancy girls are presented I know that sounds weird but that's what it is okay I didn't invent it it's like a baby coming out party Maybe. Not actual baby. You meant baby like saying it's smaller than a coming out party. Well, right? I meant younger than Rory's like debutante ball. Is it like right. a similar thing? But but this seems like it's also about manners. Yeah, it's yeah, I don't really understand how this is different, but it's it is what it is. But there's like boys there. Yeah. And dancing. I don't know. And Rich sex. people help us out. There's no sex. <laughs> So like I said, uh, it's very funny. Emily yells at Charlotte. But honestly, Charlotte made those drinks in about two seconds. So she probably messed them all up. But then she's back to being very nice to Charlotte and taking her to the table and telling her the do's and don'ts of which forks is forks is which forks to use and not to use. And we don't know them. which forks is you got to use. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's confusing to me. There were like 12 forks, though. She did great with the amount. I think she did fantastic. Uh, of course, all of this like proper instruction from Emily is juxtaposed with Lorelai dramatically doing the opposite of what her mother suggests. Like Emily tells Charlotte, like you know, don't make a big deal about putting your napkin on your lap. It's the you know a bit of show of it. And then Lorelai flutters hers in the air and then puts it on her lap. Lorelai keeps doing this throughout the night of like doing the opposite of what the proper thing is to do. And she justifies this by saying the reason she's doing this is because this like cotillion and all this manners are just like supporting this unhealthy kind of gross rich person's society ritual stuff. But really, and I think the episode backs me up on this, I don't think it is that. I don't think it's because Lorelai's got some like issue with the patriarchy or issue with this like rich society's traditions. I think it's just because her mom likes it. So she decides she doesn't. Mm-hmm. And I think eventually Lorelai comes to that same conclusion. She doesn't actually say it about this, but I think that's why she's doing that. Because her mom likes it and thinks it's important, so Lorelai's got to do the opposite. Rory tells Charlotte that she didn't do a cotillion, but she did have a coming out party. Remember that, guys? And then Lorelai jokes about being proud of Rory for not hiding her love of women. You know, haha, play on coming out party. They made that joke in that episode, I'm sure. Yeah, it's not that funny of a joke. But then Emily just deadpan says... Lorelai, there's nothing funny about being a lesbian. (laughs) Oh, funny. Her delivery is so funny. I don't know why it's funny. Because I'm trying to decide if, like, Emily 
does have issues with the LGBT community. And so she thinks that's like not a joking manner. Or if it's just like a subversion where you would expect her to like think that was a funny joke. And she's like, don't joke about something so serious. <laughs> you know? It's just funny. It's just so funny. Rory tells her grandparents what's new with her. And then Lorelai quickly mentions a couple things going on with her, but then says that she broke up with Luke. And then Emily just says, did you? That's too bad. And Richard gives a very solid, hmm. And then they move on, start talking about other things. Well, she specifically is like, when the conversation lags, Charlotte, here's what you do. Yeah. Lorelai gets annoyed. She thinks that they're ignoring this or avoiding it. And she's like, why aren't you addressing this? Like, I deserve more of a response from you than that. Emily and Richard defend themselves by saying that, like, what do you want? Like, whatever we will say will be wrong. Like, you won't like whatever reaction we have. So we're trying to be nice by saying sorry and not making a big deal out of it. And Emily won't let it go. She's like, oh, you know, this is bullshit. But, like, I, I have to agree with Richard and Emily on this, right? And I think, like, this episode sort of proves that whatever they would have said, she would have been, like, upset about it. Like, they said, I'm sorry to hear that. And we talked about this and maybe disagreed. It's like Charlotte's there. Do they really want to, like, dive into her breakup with Luke? Because there's, like, a lot of muddy water there about what they wanted or didn't want for her and, like, finally coming around. It's just, like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it maybe wasn't the best place to, like, start talking about they're there. Let me hold you, daughter. Like, I don't know. I hear that because Charlotte's there. I hear their point. Like, we wouldn't say the right thing anyway. What's the point? But Lorelai specifically says, like, couldn't you say sorry? This must be a hard time for you. Mm -hmm. And that, yeah, like any normal parent should like at least feign some concern for their child ending a engagement. Yeah. Even if Charlotte is there, it's like weird to just be like, eh, well, moving on. Your life changed drastically. Because Emily like was sad for Lorelai because she mm -hmm. knew things were not great with Luke. I hear what you're saying, and I do agree, but I, I also feel like the way Lorelai said it seemed to be like, well, let's not talk about it, or it wasn't that big of a deal. Sure. And I mean, you could read into that being like, well, she's hurt, and this is hard for her to even say, but... I feel like a parent, though, would be like, well, how are you doing? Are you doing okay? Yeah, a regular parent. Yeah. So I get why Lorelai was upset. She then starts to try to make it maybe more about her than it needs to be, and like, is, you know, looking for them to have a negative response. Yeah. Well, yeah, later she talks about that, and, we'll, uh, and I'll get there, too. Real quick, we get a scene where Rory calls Logan in London. It's night for her. It's daytime for him. It's the beginning of his day. And they talk a little bit, but it's a little awkward. And Rory just doesn't feel like she's able to connect with him. He's, you know, busy. He's got stuff going on. And she's, like, trying to remember a funny anecdote, and she can't really remember exactly all the details. And it's just, like, a little stilted, and they're just not connecting. It's not like the flirty chemistry they always have. Logan is super positive. It's not like he's being like, oh, what do we talk about? It just seems like they're not connecting. And I feel like Rory's feeling that more than at least Logan's letting on. The next morning, Lorelai is in the kitchen examining some Pop-Tarts. She's having an existential crisis right now, wondering if like all of her decisions about what she likes or doesn't like are not based on whether or not she likes them or doesn't like them, but based on whether or not her parents like them. She thinks that Everything that she's decided she likes is because or is a response to her parents not liking it. And she specifically does an anecdote about Pop-Tarts and about how she had one as a kid because her mom would never like it. And now she loves Pop-Tarts. And she's like, is that the case for everything? Like, if I've been just basing this on everything, like music, food, men, and that's the line right there. That I mean, it's like a small hidden line. But that, to me, is huge foreshadowing. For what? Chris. Because she said... And she's like, uh, like maybe I didn't want to be with some men or didn't accept some men because my mom liked them. 
but maybe I would have liked them anyway, but decided I didn't because of my parents. And given all of the stuff that's been building with Chris, I think it's very clear that she's gonna consider dating Chris. And that line right there is like a, huh, maybe, huh, maybe I'll date Chris. As if maybe I was just not dating Chris because that's what my mom wanted. Exactly. Since 16, my parents are like, you got to be with Chris. So she decided then like, well, I'm not going to do it. And they even set that up last season where the therapist is talking to her and she says like, maybe you didn't want to get married when you were 16 because it wasn't your idea. It was your parents. Clever boy. You solved the mystery. (laughs) So I I think that's, I feel like they were trying to be subtle about it, but I'm like, no, 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 no. As soon as I heard that line, I was like, okay, we'll see what's going on. I just want to make it clear. I picked up on this too. I was just asking you leading questions. Mm, No, I think I'm a genius. So (laughs) that's what's going on there. Rory tells her mother that she feels like she's not connecting with Logan very well. This scene, by the way, where Lorelai's like listing all these things she may or may not like is also cute. I think her and Rory just really, the whole show, they've obviously got chemistry. That's what the whole show's based on. But like this scene really worked for me. Specifically when Rory takes one of the Pop-Tarts that's left and starts eating it and Lorelai's like, hey, Rory's like, well, I like (laughs) Pop-Tarts. It's just a really fun little line. Brian was re-watching this episode when I was out and messaged me that he wanted Pop-Tarts. And I was like, you're watching Gilmore Girls, aren't you? Yes, I was. And we had Pop-Tarts. Rory goes to Luke's to get coffee. This scene is also kind of nice. It's like a little awkward between them because obviously their relationship has changed only in that like her mother's not getting married to him anymore. And we've had those scenes where they're like, what is our relationship? But I like this scene because it's clearly like Rory and Luke are like, hey, we want to be friends still, but it's awkward. We don't have to mention it. We feel it. But like, we're important to each other, despite your mother and I being not together. And I like that Rory is like trying to seek out Luke and like, you know, still have a relationship with him because he's got the best coffee. I mean, she can't just walk away from that. Yeah, it's a Star's Hollow staple. Luke, by the way, has a new hat. You noticed this before Rory said it, I think. It's pretty obvious. It's got like a logo right in the front. Yeah, I think it's black. The other one was blue. I don't think they mention it, but like the other hat was one that Lorelai gave him. I'm surprised they don't say it because that was a big thing. But it was so long ago. Like if you're watching this in real time, that would have been years ago. It was like maybe season one. And now he's got a new hat now that Lorelai's out of his life. Seems he intentional. He got rid of all his Lorelai stuff. Yeah, like she got rid of all her Luke stuff. God, it's sad. Just come on. Can they just... Uh, uh, Emily, you need to call Lorelai right now and talk about how much you hate Luke. <laughs> She's doing the opposite now. <laughs> That's a nice little scene. Lane is there and she tells Rory that she hasn't told Zach about her pregnancy yet. She's obviously very anxious about telling him. At the end, Lorelai is trying out a new hairstyle. And she's like, yeah, I'm wearing my hair up. It's some new me. It's my own thing. I'm the one that's making this decision. Suki's like, I like it. But also at the end is Emily, secretly there. She just walks into the kitchen to do a quick monologue about how she's going to be running a tea party here for all the cotillion girls. She does the same thing where she's like complimenting Suki and all these like foods that she's prepared and then just snaps at her when Suki tries to serve some mini PBJ bites. She's like, this is a proper tea party. I'm not interested in circus food. Poor Suki. She finally learned how to cook for children. I know, right? And then it's a snap on. But also, like, Jesus, Emily. Like, you could just be like, I would like to have some traditional foods. <laughs> like, you like Suki a lot. Like, just be nice. The reveal of Emily being there was really funny. I think Lorelai yeah. was, like, mid-complaining about how her mother's been a part of every decision. And then Michelle just interrupts with, your mother is here. <laughs> yeah, and he's been sitting on that for a while. Uh, he's very excited for that surprise. The best part of the scene, though, is at the end when Emily leaves the kitchen and then turns to Lorelai and says, I like your hair like that, Lorelai. Just <laughs> ruining Lorelai's new hair. She can't wear it like that. So the day of the tea party comes, 
Emily shows up with this gaggle of pastel fancy girls. And there's one, Caroline, that is clearly a Lorelai in training. She's a class clown. She's also doing, like, the wrong things to get laughs. And Emily just loves her. Like, they don't interact that much, but they, like, make a bunch of eye contact. Yeah, it's yeah. clear, like, Lorelai sees herself in that girl. She's a class clown. A high-class clown. <laughs> Michelle absolutely loves all this pageantry. He just, like, falls in love with it. He just loves everything about it. And then he demands to be taken to this cotillion. It's all weird. I'm sorry. It's just weird, it's man. It's weird. Take me to this child auction. Like, what is this? They had to think of a reason to get Lorelai there, yes. I think. And I, his reason is because he wants to do it over because he wasn't raised this way and wished he was. I don't know. It's, it's a stretch. It's a big stretch. He says to Lorelai that you owe me because one time I watched Paul Anka for you and he pooped in my fancy shoes. And then you wrote some IOUs and I still have them. He owes Lorelai for ditching her at Lane's wedding. Yeah, I was just going to say that like the day of the cotillion, she should call him and be like, oh, I hate to tell you this, but Celine Dion's in town. So uh, you can't go. There's a joke in this scene where I think Charlotte tells Caroline that Lorelai's funny. or Like they kind of laugh at one of Lorelai's jokes. Mm hmm. And then Charlotte's like, yeah, she's a real Imogene Coca. I had to Google who that was. It was like a comedian, but she died like five years before this episode was filmed. These little girls would have no idea who that was if I don't. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one last thing about Michelle, though, that I thought was funny is that the last thing he says to Lorelai is like, oh, wear your hair like you did the other day. <laughs> <laughs> Everything about her is being influenced by other people. Michelle's an Emily Stan. Yeah. <laughs> Meanwhile, Rory is helping Paris run her tutoring sessions at the Yale Daily News office. It's funny to me because in my head, I am sure the reason they're using that office is because they have that set and they just want to reuse the set. Mm -hmm. And they've written a reason why they're using it. And that's fine. But it's just funny to me be like, no, you're using it because that's you're saving money by using the same set. Well, they'll probably use it again once school starts. I truly don't remember. But I'm sure they will. And that's why they're like, we're not going to build another set. We'll just use this one because we're going to use it later in the season. It's funny that three episodes in, we're still in summer. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Some time has passed, but not a ton. Paris is in, like, terrible, mean, boss monster mode again, running this tutoring session just like she ran the Yale Daily News, like a total tyrant, just, like, belittling people, accusing them of coddling their people that they're tutoring, and then just, like, telling them the, how they could do better. She's, like, super mean to everybody. She's even critical of Rory, and then dismisses everyone and tells Rory, okay, I'm not your boss anymore. We can do five minutes of friend time. I thought that was so funny. I like Paris now. I feel like they've done enough growth of her as a character where they still let her be mean, but then she's still self-aware enough to dial it back. Yeah. Because it used to be she was just like, just cruel all the time. And now she's like cruel, but then it's like, but I'm friends with Rory and I'm going to be friends with Rory. <laughs> I think it works because they've shown that she's like doing work on herself too. Mm -hmm. Like she's had this life coach and she's like aware that she's a lot. Yes. I just, I just, I don't know why. I really love that line. Like, okay, five minutes of friend time. Yeah. Paris also, and she could, she's a good friend because she picks up very quickly on Rory. Rory's trying to not really talk about Logan, but then Paris picks up that things aren't good. And she's like, well, tell me more about that. And Rory's like, well, you know, we're having some issues connecting over the phone. Paris is like, well, you should do phone sex. Doyle and I do phone sex. And Rory's like, I can't say those things. She's like, text them. I'm having sex right now with Doyle. And like, during the conversation, she's like, sexting Doyle. She even shows Rory. I want to know what was written. And Rory's like, okay, wow. Yeah, it seems advanced. Yeah, it's really funny, too, because she's like, yeah, you should sext. They don't say the word sexting, but that's what it is. It's copyrighted. Yeah, it's probably haven't been used yet. Maybe. She's like, yeah, you should be sexting uh, Logan. Uh, Doyle agrees. That was so funny. 
Doyle agrees. She's all like, yeah, I'm touching you downstairs. Also, do you think like Rory should be sending these types of texts? <laughs> a lot of times when I, you and I are sexting, I'll just ask you other stuff. Life advice, things to ask my friend about. Yeah. You're not going to bring up the little mini Dean that was flirting with Rory? <laughs> oh, yeah. So there's like a, a guy that she's tutoring that's clearly in love with Alexis Bledel, which is hard. She's got those bangs and those eyes. Wait, you think that the actor playing this boy had real lines and scenes he was supposed to do, but he was in love with Alexis Bledel? <laughs> no, I just mean that Alexis Bledel is very lovable. <laughs> well, I think the character was in love with the character of Rory. <laughs> that's what you meant. Yes. I understand. But it was in the script. It wasn't like this boy's in love with the actor and couldn't act. <laughs> he was supposed to really do well on the math, but like just couldn't with Alexis there. It's like, ah, it's just lost in your eyes. Yeah, and and Paris calls her out on that too. Like, they're falling in love with you. So Rory's like, ah, maybe I'll start doing phone sex with Logan. Meanwhile, Zach can tell that Lane is avoiding him. He's like, she wants a divorce. He's confiding in Brian. Lane just barges in and says, I want to talk to you alone. And Zach's like, well, whatever you could say to me, you can say in front of my friend Brian, too. So she says, hey, I'm pregnant. Brian just, like, gets up and walks away. <laughs> and then Zach is, like, processing this, like, you know, like, uh, a, a baby? What? Uh, uh, like a little child? Uh, and then it's, it's really funny because he's, like, gets up and he starts walking to the bedroom. And she's like, like where are you going? He's like, I got to go check on Brian. <laughs> He's like, Brian must be freaking out. Brian must be freaking out right now. So he's clearly projecting all his feelings on Brian. Yeah. And the next time we see Zach, he seems to not be processing all this. He's playing a game and he's like offering Lane beer. And she's like, nah, I should be drinking milk. And he's acting weird, but like not mean. Just sort of like, yeah, okay, cool, cool. And we find out he's acting weird because he thinks Lane is actually psyched about this baby. And he is scared, and he's not psyched. He's struggling with this, too, but wants to put on, like, a I'm supportive face. Right. That's not all really said, but that's what I gathered from this. Later, the two of them bond over some pizza bagels, which sound fucking delicious right now. That's not dinner. <laughs> it is when you live in that house. But what they really bond about is how much they both think this baby situation sucks. Yeah. This scene is weird. Because they're like, oh, this baby sucks. He's like, you're not psyched? She's like, no, I'm not psyched. She's like, this baby sucks. She's like, yeah, this baby sucks. And then they just start making out because this is like a romantic moment. It's just weird to go from like this baby sucks to kissing. Did you like that? I don't know. I I didn't like it. Well, I, I can't remember like what exactly happened that caused the making out. But I thought it was kind of funny that they just have that like release where they've been sort of avoiding each other. Yeah. Because they thought they were on different pages, but it turns out they're on the same page. And Lane's, like, just as freaked out about this. So I, th- I thought it was sweet that now that they're on the same page, they can figure this out together. I have so many issues with their relationship right now. Number one, if neither of them want this baby, we're not going to have a discussion about what you could do about that? Right. Not that I'm advocating for that. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it feels like a discussion they should have. But secondly, how long have they been married now? A month, maybe? And they haven't had sex? It like, seems I feel like, like Zach would be like, hey, can we have sex? Why are we not having sex? Yeah, have they talked about that it was bad for her? Does he think it was bad? We don't know. Because, I'm sorry, when a couple first starts having sex, you have it a lot. And it's a big part of the relationship. So it's weird that they're, like, not having it and it doesn't seem like it's a big deal. Zach has clearly been waiting a long time for this. I guess they've been sick. I suppose. Like, he was sick and now she's sick until a couple days ago? Right, and until she told him she was pregnant, he might have been like, oh, yeah, she's sick. But, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it seems like he would just be more depressed in general about everything. The scene ends, it looks like they're about to have sex. Yeah. 
and I, I think I pitched this in the last episode, so forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I think we're going to solve some issues because Lane is going to get pregnant and get very horny, just like they set up with Liz, and that's going to solve their sex problem. I hope so. We also have a quick scene where Rory and Lane go to a bookstore, and Lane is reading all this stuff about how gross pregnancy is. Pregnancy is beautiful, but this is just Lane thinks it's gross. And Rory is reading a Henry Miller novel to like get inspiration for her sexts, I guess. Yeah. And she's finally like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And she types out something nasty and then sends it. And then a second later, she gets a phone call. She's like, oh, it's my dad. In, in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, you just sent a sext to your dad. Yeah. And this is going to be hilarious. Your dad's going to be like, uh, well, is this meant for me? Uh, but no, it's just her dad asking if they can grab dinner sometime. My question is, what did Rory sext Logan? Because she was reading something from the book that was specifically... Our hands groped frantically for the burning flesh. It seemed like yeah. that was what she was going to send him. If I were Logan, I'd be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> or do you think she, like, modified it with that as inspiration? I think she modified it. Okay. Later, Rory and her mom have a conversation where she tells her mom, like, hey, I'm grabbing dinner with dad. I uh, just want to let you know, you know, I haven't seen dad in a while because maybe it's been a little awkward since you guys slept together. And I want you to know that just because you guys slept together doesn't mean I can't be friends with dad. Not exactly those words, but... Kind of standing her ground being like, hey, I want to have a relationship with my dad. And I just want to make it clear that, like, I'm sad for whatever happened between you guys or didn't. But, like, I don't want that to ruin my relationship. And her mother's like, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, you should be hanging out with your dad. Also, Rory tries to steal her shirt. Mm -hmm. At the cotillion, Michelle is in love with everything. Also, Michelle is a lot. Yeah. He's mad Lorelai didn't get him a flower. Yeah, he's mad that she didn't wear her hair the way he wanted. He's mad about stuff. Charlotte is there. She thinks Lorelai's great. Such a card. God, anytime someone says a card, I'm like, oh, so you're fancy? Michelle aggressively forces Lorelai into dancing. He, like, demands that she dance with him and, like, grabs her and takes her to the dance floor. Despite herself, Lorelai seems to actually have a good time dancing. I think she liked seeing Charlotte. She likes seeing that other girl who's more like her than Charlotte is. And she meets Charlotte's grandparents. Grams, maybe? Yeah, Grams. They all say that Charlotte loved her. So I think that's kind of made her day, and she kind of enjoys herself despite herself and like emily even points it out like she seems to be having a good time the sweet little toby asked charlotte to dance yep is there like a separate etiquette class for boys who's who's training these boys i'm guessing there is or maybe maybe they're all the same but like there's some extra stuff for women i don't know the coming out party was confusing because where we had to like bring a date but it was also like to let society know you're open for business open for business mm -hmm. okay <laughs> as emily would say yeah, that sounds like something like Emily would say. Um, she did say that. She did say that? Yes. Buy me a boa and send me to Reno. I'm open for business. Yeah, but that's not what she said about the debutantes. <laughs> she was talking about being a whore. Right. <laughs> but a debutante ball is letting society know you're ready for business. Okay. I didn't say those words. I want to point out that I feel like Michelle's aggression seems fine because Michelle reads as gay. Mm. The show, we've talked about this a little bit, like the show like has gone out of its way a couple times to be like, nah, he's not gay. Not for a long time. I agreed. But like in the first one or two seasons, they like made it clear that he's into women. But like everything else about him reads as gay. And I think later you say that they do make the character gay. Like they confirm that he's gay. Um, they, he's at least partnered with a man in the year in the life. Okay. Is the actor gay? Do you know? Oh, I don't know, actually. 
But the only reason I mentioned that, he's like super into Celine Dion, which you could be straight into, but it's it's reading gay. And so the way that he is like, you're going to dance with me and like forces her to, it seems fine. Because it's like, yeah, he's just like this eccentric gay guy who's really good friends with her. And so it's fine. But I feel like if a straight dude was just like, you're taking me to this ball and you're going to dance with me. It'd be like, this is weird, man. Like, you got to calm down. Yeah. They've never indicated there's any type of romantic feelings between the two of them. No, not at all. I wish the show would just come out and say it, that he's gay. Just fine. Just say it. I don't know why they couldn't. Because this was like post-Willow. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure every piece of Gilmore Girls came out after Willow did. Yeah, there was a weird policy on Gilmore Girls where, like, no one could be gay, but the airports did have security. <laughs> Back at the Gilmore house, Rory and Chris are splitting up their leftover dinner food. Chris is going to give, like, a half of a key lime pie to Paul Inca. And I'm just like, I know it's not chocolate, but, like, I don't think that's great for the dog. No. Like, you could give your dog some scraps, but, like, I don't think, like, desserts are great for dogs. Like, he might just still throw up. Just like Don. <laughs> yeah. I remember my mom made a bunch of cookies once for my school. Like, a, I think for my class. Uh, they were green, and there was, like, a ton of Fs. The letter F-shaped cookie, green, for frog. It doesn't matter. But there must have been, like, 40, 50 of them she put on a table to cool. And my dog just jumped up there and ate about 25 of them and then immediately just started Linda Blair puking green for the next, like, day. Wow. Felt so bad. But it was like, dude, come on. You shouldn't have eaten those cookies. Stop at two. Yeah. Lorelai shows up from the cotillion, and she and Chris have a quick accidental flirt, and then they both get a wide-eyed, like, oh, that was a mistake. Shouldn't have flirted. They're both conveniently wearing wedding clothes. Did you notice that? Like he's I didn't. in like a black suit. She's got like a very white sort of casual wedding dress on. I did not notice that. I mean, I knew she was dressed fancy. I just didn't think of wedding or that he was dressed fancy. They're both pretty casual, but just like the color scheme was like, is this a clue? Rory senses the sexual tension and regret in the room. So she's like, I'm going to take Paulinka for a walk. She leaves and Lorelai's, uh, and Christopher's like, you know, we're just getting out of here. Kind of like, don't worry, you know, I don't have to be here make it weird. At this moment, Christopher picks up the key lime pie and Lorelai thanks him. What? She thanks him for picking up the pie he put on the floor? What? <laughs> yeah, no, I don't Maybe thanks for taking out Rory. I don't know. No. But then she offers him coffee, which is a weird, like, do you want to hang out here for a while kind of thing? Which I'm like, are you guys, you clearly are uncomfortable with each other right now. I think she's wanting to make things good with Rory, but like, he just said he was leaving. So it's not like, oh, Rory and I are having a great time right now. Oh, should I leave? Like, he was like, oh, I'm, our night's over. But she's like, have some coffee. And he's like, cool, cool. And then Chris dramatically declines the coffee. He's like, you know what? I can't just have coffee with you because guess what? I love you and I can't just do that. He does not regret their night together and he thinks that they're right for each other. Maybe she doesn't see it now, but he thinks that someday she will. And he will wait his entire life for her to see that they're meant to be together and that they're right together. That she is his end goal. There's nobody else. There's nothing else. He'll wait for her. And then he leaves. Hmm. We're going to talk about this scene in a minute. Later, Rory calls Logan, waking him up, to ask why he never texts her back. He's all chesty in bed. Yeah, he is in bed. His nips are out, which is weird because like a season ago or two seasons ago, he like was pulling off the covers. I don't know. Maybe he hadn't had his coming out party yet. Yes, he hadn't had his... Young boy cotillion training. for the- He wasn't ready for the world or an open for business yet. He was closed for business. We don't know what these things are. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, she's like, why didn't you read my text? This, this scene is weird. Okay. And it, it turns out it wasn't a miscommunication. It's just that he did text and Rory doesn't understand phones. So she's a lot like She's on that cusp. Buffy. She yeah, doesn't quite cusp. know. 
She somehow missed the text. It's, it went straight to her saved files or whatever. I, there wasn't a scene or anything. I don't remember her, like, getting a ding that she missed. Yeah, I don't know how this would have happened, really. Yeah. Well, she reads what he wrote, and she likes it. It was good. And this scene is very cute. I love this scene a lot. You said it was weird. Yeah, her not getting the text is weird. Oh, okay. But then after that, I feel like I just really feel the chemistry between them right now. Like, I feel like the chemistry between them has been on and off at times. But, like, I just really feel this scene felt so real to me. They're just very cute. She's all like, oh, you can go back to sleep. He's like, no, you just woke me up. And we're talking about sexy texts. Like, uh, I'd like it if you could text me back right now. And she's all like, okay, I guess they will. I don't have my books with me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, her Henry Miller books. He's like, you'll do all right. So she's like, all right, get out the phone. I'm going to text you. And then she like texts him back. And it's great. I feel like Alexis Bledel plays this super well. It's like flirty, but like shy, but sexy. I don't know. It's great. And I felt the chemistry between them right here. Yeah. She looked almost as excited as when she was double fisting syrups a couple episodes ago. (laughs) Just licking her lips. Go watch that scene. Her face is weird. I don't know. I just love the scene. I felt like I was being tutored. I liked it. (laughs) (laughs) You just love Alexis Bedell, I think. We get one last scene, though. Hello. Okay. (laughs) No response. (laughs) We get one last scene, though, with Lorelai sitting in bed, just thinking, you know, having a think. Mm -hmm. And then she calls Chris. The end. Yeah. Seems like she might have put together her feelings about her mother and what Christopher said. Yeah, so a lot to break down here, and I'm, I've got thoughts. I've got thoughts. What are your thoughts, Bimo? So I am a Luke or die. Okay. Or die. Like, I meant, like, I'm shipping them, okay? Because I think Luke, and I've said this before very quickly, Luke is, and Lorelai work together because they're different. Luke is emotionally, like, stunted. He, can, he does not express his emotions, and he has trouble picking up on stuff. But Lorelai is very good at knowing what his emotions are. He doesn't have to say it for her to get it, which is like, oh, that's the kind of woman he needs, someone that can just, like, intuitively, emotionally read him, but also someone who's emotionally intelligent enough to, like, express herself, although that was a whole issue last season. I felt like the writing was off there. I feel like she would know to tell him things. And I, I just feel like even though they're different, it was different in a way that really fits together. But I will say that I felt chemistry between I felt chemistry with her and Christopher before, and I want her to end up with Luke. But I don't hate the idea of them having a little relationship this season if that's where we're going to go. Her and Christopher. Yeah, specifically when he tells her how what she, how he feels, she does this like face that's very like, oh wow, this like is touching my heart right now. Mm-hmm. That was really like wide eyed, like oh my god, I'm having an emotion, just one. Because they, I mean, he he had the same conversation with her in season one. Yes. He's like, I love you. We should get married. Why aren't we doing that? But, like, he wasn't in a, like, responsible enough place for her at that time. And then in season two, they he had sort of gotten his life together a bit more. And they, all like, almost happened. But then the baby happened. So this, the possibility of him for her has seems like it's always been on the table. They just haven't been in the same time, same place. So... <laughs> oh, connection to Buffy. But now they maybe kind of are. Although, does he live in Boston? How far away does this guy live? He's around a lot. Yeah. He's rich, though. They never said he moved. Probably has a helicopter. Maybe. And I think this show has done a really good job of, like, Chris's progression over all the seasons. Like, he's gotten to be a better man who's gotten his life together throughout the whole show. But I feel like this season in particular, he's like, I love you, Lorelai. I'm not going to chase you. But I'm going to tell you how I feel. Like, he learned his lesson. Like, I can't force it. Yeah, I feel like he takes notes well. Yes. 
And he just tells Lola how he feels. Like, because this season he's been very, like, calls her, like, hey, I want to talk about it. It meant a lot to me, but, like, I'm not going to, like, I don't know, be crazy emotional about this. Like, I'm just, I'm telling you how I feel. So I'm, I'm interested to see where they, where they go with that. Because I don't hate her with Christopher. Christopher's not a villain. I just hate her with Gigi. Gigi, get out of the fucking picture. No one cares, okay? Yeah, she's, she's a bit of a Don. Can the DAR, like, raise her or something? I don't know. Oh, wow. She could use it, probably. <laughs> so, Stacy, hmm. do you think this is a good episode? I don't think so. No? I don't think it was bad, but I don't, I, I think it was weak as an episode and kind of forgettable. Mm-hmm. I like what they're exploring with Lorelai's thought process. That That's definitely, you know, setting up where the end of this episode goes, I think. And Rory and Logan were super cute, as you said. I thought the Lane and Zach scene was cute once they got on the same page. And there was a ton of funny stuff. Like, everything with little Charlotte was super funny. Yes. Emily was funny in this episode. But, like, all of that to get this sort of thought process going for Lorelai seemed like a lot, especially the Michelle part. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That seemed like, uh, I don't know, what if Michelle makes her go? Yeah. Like, I don't know, maybe there's some other reason, like, Suki had to cater it and Lorelai had to help or something. Yeah, that would have worked. I just don't know why Michelle had to be part of it. I don't know, I, I do like what happened, but I feel like it's forgettable overall. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I don't want to say it's bad. I just don't know that it's, like, a great episode. What did you think? You liked it? I didn't think it was a bad episode. I thought it was fine. It did have some really funny, memorable parts. Charlotte, like you said, she was great. Mm-hmm. She was funny. Yeah, I remember that. I feel like I remember the season really well, I guess because it's just more fresh. And like I said, I really liked that little scene with Rory and Logan. But uh, yeah, I, I'd say I liked it. I definitely liked it. I just don't think it was like a great episode of Gilmore Girls. Mm-hmm. So which episode do you think was better? I think Buffy was better. Yeah, I think it was a, a very good Buffy and kind of just an okay Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I would say this was like a funnier Buffy than Gilmore. And generally, I feel like Gilmore ekes out the jokes a little bit more. And it had the heartstring stuff, too. Yeah. With Willow and Buffy. Yeah, I think uh, I think it was a good Buffy. Willow's worries were unnecessary. I mean, somewhat necessary. Buffy did think she skinned that guy, but. Yeah. We had a cool demon, a unique demon. We had like some cool plot stuff. Yeah, I liked it. I'm going to go Buffy. Same. Well, if you want to watch along next week, we'll be watching Gilmore Girls Season 7, Episode 4. It's wonderful. It's marvelous. Looks like S wonderful, S marvelous. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe more context from the episode. Well, it's wonderful. It's marvelous. Yeah. We'll also be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 7, Episode 4. Help. Help? With a little kid eating wasabi. <laughs> that, watch that. If you have not seen that video, it's a little kid starts eating wasabi and then just turns and goes, help. Help. <laughs> in the meantime, we'd love to hear your thoughts on the episodes discussed in this podcast. Do you like Dawn better as normal Dawn or as poseable Dawn? How else could we have gotten growth from Lorelai without having Michelle go to a cotillion? What is a cotillion about? Like, what is the point of this? Is it weird? Tell us your best sext. What are your thoughts on Narl? Should he have his own, like, spinoff? Do you think Willow deserved a little bit of Narlin? How long would it take to slowly eat the flesh of a person? Let us know. You can reach out to us by following us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok at Gilmore Slayer. We post interactive questions, comedy sketches based on each episode, and more. Or send us an email at brianandstacyreviews at gmail.com. That's Brian with a Y and Stacy with an EY. For more bonus content, find us on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash brianandstacy, where we post weekly video recaps of the show, Angel host monthly live streamed watch parties at Buffy and Gilmore Girls, post monthly podcast outtakes, and share early extended episode previews. And shout out to our new Patreon subscribers, Heather Floyd, Alicia Gillespie, Laura McDonald, and Shayla Brooks. Thank you so much. 
For more non-podcast content, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, also called Brian and Stacy. And if you want to support the podcast, you can do so by making a donation of your choosing via the link found at the bottom of our episode description or in our social media bios. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And if you do, we'll give you a shout-out on an upcoming podcast. So, uh, you want to put on your boa? come slowly eat my flesh. What'd you say? You want to put on your boa? Oh, we, um, different shows, different topics. Um, sure. <laughs> I then don't. I'll eat your flesh. <laughs> Well, telling you rhymes. This show, these shows are messing with us sexually. Yeah, improving us sexually. <laughs> we really figured out some uses for this rocket. <laughs>